And I must keep running, running, and 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 running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I am Jim. I'll be joined by Brandon and Clay in just a moment. But before that, let me tell you where you can find us. You can go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back a hundred percent. Also, you can go and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. All these links will be in the show notes as well. But over there on the Patreon. You can support us for all the things we do here on the regular feed, but get so much more, including a weekly Marvel comic book Patreon spotlight. It's only on the Patreon, and it's two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, Beep Boop. And this week, they picked Spirits of Vengeance, Spirit Rider number one, and Avengers number 47. You can go and listen to that right now, again, on patreon.com slash Weird science, but if you do go over there and decide to become a badass, and the badasses get to pick all the books that we do, even on our DC Comics podcast and and pretty much everything else. But with that, you also get to be part of the special, special treat of the badass roll call. And here we go, and we're going to start off with my man Jay Jennings, who has come back. I appreciate that. Thank you a lot, Jay. Josh Murray from Not A Robot Podcast, Ted Probes. I love Punchline. It, it has to be like, I love Mockingbird, we'll, we'll say here. Farce Pauly, Cam, Joseph Watchsick, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Balone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Barcasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky. Check him out on the YouTube Cellar Dweller. Mark Jager, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Beer from the Bat Pod, Ruben, Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, Luke Hollywood. Oh my God, it did. the hits keep coming. Simon, Luis, Manship, who was just in Maui. He's lucky. He gets to go to Maui. Andrew Bel- Belfast, who actually just got his second vaccination shot and said he felt like crap. Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Eden, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, a Mark, my man Rob Lewis as well, Brandy Murray, Brandon, he's going to be on later, and Double A Ron, and also the all-time great original drink water. R.I.P. Reggie, we love you. And with all of that, we're going to go off, and we have a couple of books here. Like I said, I'm going to be talking with my man Clay about the Sinister War stuff. And then me and Brandon will be talking about a continuation of the Extreme Carnage, and I believe it's Lasher this week. But really, that book being more of an Andy Benton-type deal and changing the whole Scream deal, that's why I think me and Brandon are actually liking this more and more as we go on, which is surprising us. But it's a nice surprise, right? And then I'll be back talking a couple books myself and hopefully being a little more positive than those two negative nancies that i talked to before then and i'm just joking 
but we'll see. We'll see if I am, but we're going to go to the books right about now. All right, now I'm going to start things off with my man, Clay. How you doing, Clay? I am doing excellent. How about you, sir? Oh, just excellent. As always, everything's peaches and cream with me here, and uh, especially when we get to talk the Sinister War, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to say? Oh, when yeah. When we go, that's the For segues. Sure. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Everybody loves everything, but this is the Sinister War Part 2, and I'm I'm starting to get just confused and, and with the between this, the regular book and all that, the numbering and all. But uh, I even said last week when we were talking the regular Spider-Man stuff like, OK, let, let's get to the Sinister War number two. Let's see what's going on. It'll end up, you know, expanding some things with Kindred and stuff. And then this is basically to me like guest host, uh, you know, extravaganza. You're setting up the teams now in a way that's weird. We haven't had Ed Brisson on the writing duties for a little bit since we had that big thing where, oh, my God, Nick Spencer. But he's back for this, which, you know, I, I don't know why or what, because not too much happens in this. There is a weird thing where you do get a Suicide Squad feel from old Kindred. Uh, but besides that, you're, you know, doing a lot of, you know, back and forth. You have a lot of time jumps in the hey, let's show a team and let, let's show how they got together, but not really. And a lot of times when you do a lot of time jumping in a book, that usually in my mind triggers the idea that the story doesn't have a lot going on in itself. So you have to convolute it up a little to make people kind of think that there's more going on than there is. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I felt here, but it's written 100%. by, right? you know what I mean? Because it's like, hey, here we are, this team. And then you just go back to them just talking Hey, let's make a team. I'm like, really? There's one part that I did like that that we'll get to that has a character that I was kind of surprised that we saw and kind of cool. But besides that, we'll we'll talk about it. Written by Nick Spencer, Ed Brisson, pencils by Mark Bagley, Dia Giannis Nieves, Carlos Gomez, and C. Carlos. So four pencilers, that's usually troubles, but it looks good pretty much. It seems like you, you jump in because there's so many characters. With these teams, they have to kind of have different people doing those different things. Inks by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, Andy Owens, Carlos Gomez, and C. Carlos. Colors by Brian Reber. He does it all by himself. And letters by VCs Chokermania. Things have never been worse for Spider-Man after learning that his girlfriend, MJ's big movie, was directed by Mysterio. He had to watch Mysterio join Doc Ock's Sinister Six. In between Revelations, Vulture Savage Six was attacking them all. But these two sextets aren't even the worst of Spidey's problems. After getting overwhelmed, Spidey woke up in Kindred's mausoleum and was immediately attacked by the Wild Pack, the Sinister Syndicate, and the Superior Foes of Spider-Man. I'm telling you, the, the way that this issue plays out, everything is just thrown at you. And even in that, like that little description, I'm overwhelmed by all the things going on. And so with us, I thought we were going to get more Kindred because, you know, Kindred had Peter and what are we Going to do and then he just gets attacked By everybody And it's basically you know It's Oprah saying you get a guest star You get a guest star everybody has a team They're all after him we find out at the end A little bit of why and what but Overall it is just kind of Peter jumping between scenes Of fighting teams And seeing teams you know Kind of coming together and Kindred saying, hey, look, y'all are here. I'm going to put these centipede worms in your brain. And if you don't like what I, you know, if I don't like what you're doing or whatnot, 
yeah, I'll just kill you with it, or you can be freed. It, it's the Kindred Squad. It's the Suicide Squad with Kindred. Uh, some of the team stuff is okay, but even like you, you, we finally get to see Boomerang again, full out, and he doesn't barely even react to any of this. He kind of is like, "Well, I'll help you, but I'm only going to do this because you know doesn't want to really." Seemingly come out and say, okay, I'm going to go get Peter. But you have Overdrive. He's there trying to get Carly. Everything thrown at you. Uh, what did you think? I So the last issue where we left off with Peter, when everything happened, I legitimately thought the splash page was just like an ominous feeling that he was getting. Like kind of showing an homage of like everything that has happened. Everything piling and, up against him. Exactly. And most importantly, the homage of like, hey, this is everyone that has been involved in Nick Spencer's run. Little did I know that was actually everybody attacking him. Uh, so it doesn't make mo like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And they try to make it make sense with all of this time jumping and they're they're explaining away exactly what happened to get into this scenario. And and you're completely right. You know, it's it's the kindred suicide squad. And it's almost like with a little bit of a dabble of a rat race, because the whole point is, hey, if you kill, if you kill Peter, if you kill Spider-Man, then you will be my lieutenant. But the one thing that he doesn't really tell everybody or he he, he tells everybody, hey, you're all going to die anyway. So why not just be the lieutenant of hell? When you die. And in my mind, I'm like, it's still a lose-lose. It's I know, not like it's, it's still it, dying. It's it's not like, hey, if you kill Spider-Man, you get to live. That's not the deal. Hey, if you go kill Spider-Man, you go to hell. Yep. Like and, that's and, your deal. Yeah. And he <laughs> says, you know, the whole line. And then it's a common line, it's a whole deal. You know, what is better? Reigning in hell or being a servant of heaven? Hey, let's kill him. Like all all of these people are going to hell. I mean, all the people are talking about, there's not one of them I think that's going to heaven anyway. And he's just like, like, and with that, it's such a weird thing to me. And I know he's screwing around with Peter, he's screwing around with Spider-Man. But, I mean, Kindred himself has killed Peter and brought him back like 10 times in that one issue. Like, he can just do it. Like, why are you putting this into a whole rat race? Like you said, why are you doing the whole deal? And I guess... Maybe that's just the evilness uh, of Kindred, but it, the idea of a sinister war, and then you just have, you know, all the teams, including, you know, the Sinister Six, the whole seven, like, that's not as interesting as what I actually thought this was going to be. This is just a full-out dogpile on Peter as they try to kill him, and it just doesn't feel, cl- it, like you said, though, one of the big things that you said that I actually, I was shaking my head. You get all the characters that were in this run. That seems like that's all this is. Let's kick this out. Let's finish it up by making sure everybody is in it. So why not have a big rat race to go get? But is that it doesn't really, in my mind, feel like an end game thing for a kindred who's done a bunch of these things and and gone after them. Now, like I said, you end up seeing like Hydro Man. You, you get these characters that you don't get a lot. Slides back again. You end up having Shocker teaming up with Hydro Man. You get Testmaster. They're all really cool characters. And and some are cool only because they're not so cool. And you see these team-ups and things like that. But the one thing I did like is when you get the Sinister Syndicate, 
and they end up they're fighting Peter. And even when he says he gets knocked out of the mausoleum, he's out in the whole graveyard. And he's like, oh, I thought this was going to be better. I thought I'd be better off. Like at at the one point when you're jumping back and forth in time again, it's mainly in my mind because there's not really that much going on. But Overdrive, he ends up pushing him. They end up crashing. It flies out of the cycle, and then. There's the syndicate, the Sinister Syndicate with all the gals, uh, including, you know, Beetle and stuff like that. But with that, you do end up seemingly getting Craven's quote unquote daughter, who ends up being a cool character who actually had denounced Craven and went by like Thundercat at a point and things like that. And it was a lot of things in the Spider Girl book or whatever, but. She looks like she kills her. I mean, how could he survive? She right puts the biggest spine. knife, right? A, the biggest knife I've ever seen. This is like Crocodile Dundee knife here. That's a knife right into his back, into his spine. And and even if you don't know, you know, Anna there as a Craven's daughter type deal, you can tell right away the vest. And, then the, and I like her. I think it's cool. But you see a huge thing. Boom. Shunk. Right into his spine, like you said. And then we go back earlier. Hey, you want to add her to the to the group? And they won't say her name because I think that he wants to make this kind of a shocking deal. But you can tell right away. And, and like, she's the law of the jungle. I'm like, just say that to Just say who it is. But even then, you, you go away from Peter seemingly getting just killed to go, you know, hey, we set this up. Hey, we're supposed to have six members. No, we're the syndicate. We can have seven. I don't like the optics. I'm like, really? This is what you went after with? And then soon after, and you go and everybody's fighting each other. Like Everything is thrown at you in such a willy-nilly way in my mind that you can't even really like the whole thing you said. When we thought that it was Peter thinking, oh, my God, all these things that have happened. Why me? Woe is me? Whatever. And then we see that. No, no, no. It's. It's everybody. They're after him. You kind of, in my mind, lose track a bit of this, like, everybody's after him because you're just doing individual teams. And then you're going back to see them get together. Then you see them going. And you don't really, in my mind, get that thing that I think that Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson were trying to get is the idea that Peter is overwhelmed with the amount of people going just because we keep going back and forth. And then at the end, you just have Kindred. Like you said, saying, hey, everybody, we're all going to die, but wouldn't you like to be my lieutenant? And by the way, I put these ear, you know, worms, these these centipedes in your brains. And if you don't like what's happening, I'll just kill you anyway. And you got to do what I want. And again, though, is is it that he thinks that his offer isn't good enough? Right? Because then he adds that. And it's so weird. See, And this is where it gets kind of convoluted and confusing because, for one, we know that there has to be more than one kindred for the fact that Harry Harry is still with uh, oh, Carly. Sh- Carly. Carly. Yep, I keep in the forgetting prison. her name. Is Overdrive, that's his whole deal. He wants yeah, to find he, her, but it gets lost in the shuffle. So Harry well. is with Carly. But there's a kindred that's also with Mary Jane, because when we saw Mary Jane last, she was with Mysterio. And then the very last time we saw Spider-Man, he was with kindred. So I don't know what in the world is going on. Or it's just that we're getting lost in the shuffle with the time jumps. And that's bad, too. Like, you can't. It's hard to follow. Well, because at the end of this issue, they show in a very, like... It's a really cool page, but they show the Sinister Six, and it's like, 
okay, well, where were they compared to the rest of exactly. this issue? Yeah, because they weren't really in this. You got the Savage Six. You get over like all these other teams, <laughs> including the Syndicate, who I do like. But then you get the heavy hitters at the end just running around like crazy. But like I said, everything gets thrown at you. It seems like he's going with the idea of the bigger, the better, the more characters, the better. And I'm getting lost. I'm getting lost in the shuffle. Now, reading this, I think that a lot of people end up like, you know, when they see a character, oh, my God, look at that shocker. Oh, my God, Chance. Who's yelling, oh, my God, Chance? Oh, my God, Jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're doing all this. And it is a cool thing to pick out the stuff. But, again, it's kind of what we had before in the whole hunted arc where you just had all of those animal-based characters being hunted. And it never really played out very well. There's too many characters, too many things going on. I want to know, and I want to see Kindred. And I want to see Spidey. That's what I'm here for. That's what I want. And yet you end up throwing 40 characters in the way of that. And also have that mystery. What's going on, Harry, back with Carly? What's, you know, all that thrown in. Then you end up having Anna here where I think that Craven sees that. They're going to have issues. You don't need other issues. There's a lot of stuff that we kind of need to resolve in the next couple of issues to get this whole run done. And I just think that this is like, it, it almost feels like it's one of those, you know, movie. It, it happens with everything. You'll even get like those concerts where at the end you have everybody come out from every group and it's supposed to be the greatest thing. It always sucks. It's always too many people. It's like at the Hall of Fame. They always do that. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the end is like 80 people on the stage playing Louie Louie. I'm like, I don't need that. That sucks. <laughs> get them off. I want to see the individual bands play their songs. What I'm here. And this just feels like, Greatest hits times 20 Let's just get every character going And we're already running out of space Of, of telling this because there's not much of a story here And and especially not much of a Spider-Man story or yeah, Kindred no. story It's more of like Even just the idea where we see Boomerang He agrees with the Overdrive In the meantime they have Shocker and Hydro Man and, and, But you don't get anything With anybody they're just like Hey why do we have Hydra Man Well he has his own merits Okay well we're, it's just nothing It's a nothing deal when I need more And it's it's getting me more and more worried That at the end we're going to end up With not a lot of like cool stuff That actually ties up what we want You know by the end of Nick Spencer's run That we've enjoyed I keep having to mention that We actually like this run And yeah, by the end, the art's really good, though, throughout. You have a lot of people, so that's impressive that it remains pretty much where you can read this and just go, okay, it doesn't really have any that, you know, jarring changes or anything. I thought that, that was pretty good, but I'm a 6 out of 10. I, yeah. I need more than just a, hey, this is how the team's got, you know, the team's getting together. That's fine and dandy. You have too many teams, and you're not really showing us much of them getting together. They just end up, you know. Hey, you want to do this? All right. But then we find out that pretty much they're made to do it anyway by Kindred. So, yeah, six. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a six also. This kind of has the same problems that Avengers did, but not so crazy with it. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of the main character. You're not really getting any development for the story. We still have a ton of questions that have not been answered. It's getting really, really close to the ending of this story. And it feels like the one thing that we have been saying we don't want to happen is going to happen. It's going to be very, very quick to the ending. And we may not get every single thing answered that we want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a couple issues of the regular book and a couple issues of this. And my, my biggest problem I'm having is 
every time we do the Sinister War, I say, well, hopefully we get more of what we want in the regular Amazing Spider-Man. Then we get the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, well, maybe they'll put some things in there, and we're not getting either. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. But with all of that, uh, that is it for me and you on the regular podcast. So uh, tell everybody where they can find you before I go off. Yeah, of course. You can always find me at Fanboy Clay um, on Twitter. In the bio over there on my profile, you can see the link tree to all of the shows, including DC Alliance, Batman News Weekly, Comic Book Legion Podcast, Weird Science Marvel Podcast, Weird Science DZ Podcast, Weird Science Manga Podcast, and the Ranger Alliance. Yes, all of those. But yeah, uh, we're going to go off. And uh, Brandon, supposedly, will be here. I always say it, and then it doesn't come to be. But supposedly, me and Brandon will be uh, talking a bit of a lasher. Uh, more of the extreme carnage stuff. So hopefully he'll be with me. Hopefully we'll like it a little more than this book. But as it seems, me and you will be back each and every week with something, including a Spider-Man deal. So, all right, now I am here with Brandon, and we are going to be continuing the extreme carnage deal. Now, speaking of extreme, I did want to bring up that old Mr. P over there at the uh, Twitter showed the Monster Mash cereal and asked what I thought about it, and you mm-hmm. joined in as well. Yes. I, I need to shake my fist to them because now I've gone all over the place, and I can't find the damn cereal. I wanted uh, to try it, and I couldn't find it. We always and then get I new thought, cereals laid around. I still haven't found the Little Debbie cereal. I know it's well, probably not great. You're I still in Canada, try right, it. at Buffalo? <laughs> they have that. I went, and I actually saw that on the website for Walmart. It said that they had it there. And I went, and they didn't have crap. They didn't have anything. But I did see that Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters that I did eat and was okay. It wasn't bad. But I want to try the Monster Mash, which is all of the Monster cereals, including Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brew that we haven't really had around. And it's funny, Tanya has never heard of Yummy Mummy or Fruit Brew. And when she said that, I almost demanded a divorce is what I ended up doing. But I said, it's, it's the cereals, honey. And she's like, I don't like cereal. You know that. And I'm like, go to hell. She She's more into the cereal killings she is with her true crime obsession. But I like the other type of cereal. And again, like I said, the Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters were pretty good. Uh, the other day, we ended up getting, uh, I let Logan pick the cereals. He ended up getting Pops and uh, Golden Grams, which Golden Grams, there's claiming back to the original formula. Tastes the same to me, but yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind that either. Like Pops is not the greatest of cereal, neither is Golden Grams. They're okay occasionally, though. Yeah, I like I, Pops. I can, I'm a Pops fan. I can deal with them. Now the problem is, is my kids end up eating Pops, and they the minute that they open it, they don't close it, and then you, you, you yeah, don't. those that's not a cereal that can be one iota of stale at all. It's got to be fresh and fresh can be or that's no. And I, be- I've I've eaten my share of stale Pops, and yeah, yeah you're just like. You're pissed the whole time. I'm telling you, I'm grumbling as I'm eating. You're just getting so mad at them. And then uh, like, and then they're like, you didn't complain about the Golden Grams, you know? But I'm like, they're Golden Grams. They're not Pops. I mean, Pops are just made. Every bit of moisture just goes right into that. And then it's stale as hell. You jerks, right? <laughs> uh, that's what I was yelling at them. But I do want to get the Monster Mash. and went to three separate places looking. None of them have had to them, go to Walmart so tomorrow. We'll have to keep work. going now. Well, we're here not to talk about cereal, though. We're here to talk about another bit of Extreme Carnage. It's part four of eight, and it is Extreme Carnage Lasher. 
as we go through, you know, the life feel of the symbionts. Not know? as and sexy as it sounds. No, and, and with that, I don't think that that sounds sexy. I think you're going to be canceled. But also, it's funny, too, because when you're reading this, we have Lasher. So you're thinking, okay, who's coming up? Who's going to be next? So, you know, we do find out by the end who it is. But poor uh, Toxin ends up just like being shoved in for two seconds. I'm like, you, know, you didn't get much of a, a play there. But here is the whole deal of this. The Carnage symbiote is back, alive in the symbiote codex and hive. The sadistic serial killer has been psychically reaching out to its siblings, the Life Foundation symbiotes. Now, again, I just want to bring up what's Eddie doing with this hive right now? I mean, they should have done something up until now saying that Eddie can't like he can't sense. I don't know what they're in the hive after Andy Benton, host to the Scream symbiote, used her hellfire power to burn the symbiote to ash. Phage was the next in line sent to finish the job. And kill Andy Benton Again, I, I, I don't know why When, when you, yeah, We'll get into it All the while <laughs> Flash Thompson, Agent Anti-Venom Has been trying to put the pieces together To figure out Carnage's plans Whatever Carnage's endgame It seems to do with Arthur Crane The politician who has aligned himself And breathed new life Into the friends of humanity My big thing that I said before we started here Is, you know, why why is Carnage doing this now? He is getting this whole thing together with seemingly going to run for president, right? In my mind, you run for president as Carnage. I mean, Carnage, you know, psycho, all that, but seemingly knows how to push the buttons in a horrible world that we live in right now. Yeah. And why doesn't he just wait? Why does he Why does he need these symbiotes with him now? Why does he need the Life Foundation symbiotes now? Why not after he, he seems to really be able president? to do whatever he wants, to be honest with yeah, you. I mean, Everything and, seems to be working according to plan. I don't understand what he needs the other, other guys around him for right that's now. That's what I'm anyway. saying. And you know what the other guys end up doing? They give the potential of everybody finding out that he's carnage. That also gives the potential of maybe somebody like a Flash Thompson, Agent Vet, on their tail. Without that, nobody knows anything going on. They just know the senator is there with this humanity first pro that people seem to be into after the whole King and Black and the No Invasion. I don't know why this whole deal needs to have these symbiotes the way he's going on. Oh, I need the family. I need this. Now, also reaching out to them as he seems to be doing psychically that they say seemingly through the televisions that's always the cue yeah. there and the key uh, doesn't make a lot of sense but that also then brings the hive into it where he's reaching through that to get them where that should trigger eddie but we don't get eddie so that's not a problem and it's almost even like the same- they've separated it and carnage has his own now you know what yeah, i'm saying and i wish I, that's what i wish that that was spelled out a little differently the idea that after Noel came and there was that reformation or at least that you know eddie's in charge that say he can't he said at the one point at the end of the king of black like he can't control everything as well he's aging all that stuff so Maybe have it that Carnage, because of that, is able to dupe and have his own little thing. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So that's a weird thing with it as well. But even with the Andy stuff, you end up where Andy seemingly burned off with the Hellfire, you know, while she was being attacked and all. She pretty much killed the Scream symbiote. So why do they have to kill Andy now? For the most part, without the Scream symbiote, yeah, she has the Hellfire, but it doesn't feel like She's much of a threat anymore. She doesn't have the high. Med- like, 
she's disconnected from him. Just leave her aside. But you're you're throwing all this to then get the machinations to get Andy and Flash involved against you. And I, I think that's a weird play. Also, like you said in this where and we saw we saw Andy get run through by Phage. We see that again. She uses the Hellfire that gets her at least separated from Phage and can sit there and try to do something. What she does, though, is bleed out as she's dying. And, you know, you have Flash and also the bad guys as well, the Roxanne guys. They're, they're attacking. Everybody's attacking. Everybody's, you know, going at each other. And then we go off to see Lasher. And you said, why <laughs> pick this guy? I know. You're in she a hospital. Picked, you could probably find a guy with a broken arm, right? Is probably yeah, some actually. I think this is more of an or... old folks' home. I think <laughs> okay, this is yeah, more of an old be because right. they end Pick up with, even when they go, everybody <laughs> is like you know old and whatever. But with that, don't go to the hospital. Go next door. Go to the gym or something. But he came through a vent, so he was outside somewhere. He was. Yeah, this, we <laughs> we think the play is is that with Carnage trying to get a hold of his quote unquote family and the Life Foundation symbiotes, that possibly what Lasher thinks he's doing is that he can end up going into this old guy who has dementia, and maybe that's a way that they're saying they don't spell it out great. But maybe the idea is I go into this guy who has dementia and can't remember anything, and then I won't remember anything, and then Carnage, I'm free from him. Almost like you know, almost like a lobotomy type deal, the way it would seem. But it doesn't play out that way, and and is weird anyway. Where you end up where the symbiote goes into this guy, and he ends up attacking everybody, and then pretty much is walking through of the mind dreams. His wife, all this carnage is really in his mind trying to convince this guy, you know, also being the last year symbiote to come to D.C. And it, it just plays out. It's weird the way it's a very long play in this issue. And my biggest problem with this issue is that is the least interesting part of it. I mean, the idea of this Lasher symbiote being in this old guy who has dementia going to D.C. and pretty much. The what is offered to this old guy is just death. You know, hey, if you if you do this, I'll get you back to your family. I'll do this. And the guy just gets plopped down. I mean, he looks awful (laughs) when he's there. But also the idea like this is what I'm talking about with this whole deal with the senator and carnage. Like there you go. You have and Lasher's not exactly the prettiest of symbiotes. Right. Pretty horrendous and ends up there at the Lincoln Memorial where then an old guy just comes out and crashes. I mean, if this guy wasn't dead before, look at him. His neck's cracked. Uh, his arm is where his leg should be. I mean, it's awful. Like, how is that explained? And, yeah, and all yeah. that goes on, this right? This guy's a mess, like, yeah. w- And what, what is that? What is the end game? Because remember what it seemed like, and I think that the play will be Carnage is using them so that when they come here, he can end up as the center saying, there they are, the most awful things ever these symbiotes take them down get the but even then you don't really need to do that at this point you even had flash in the middle of that you know big to do that big you know gathering and people are freaking out but i think that that's the but nothing is playing out well we're halfway through and it's just the idea of like come to me my family i want to be all you together come on and then you get a little bit of carnage as the senator yelling awful stuff the big thing here is still andy 
And and with that, you know, we do end up, and I don't even think I said it, it's written by Clay McLeod Chapman, and that is the, you know, that's Andy Benton's scream. He shows up every year for that. The the weird thing is, is this has become just an Andy and Flash story, which we kind of like. The last issue we had, though, that was the Phage deal done by Steve Orlando, I think is still the best one. And I said at the end of that, I think that what they're going to do is end up doing something with Andy so that she can team up. Because Andy is the breakout star of the like Foundation symbiotes, right? He, that's the one that yeah. continues. That's the one you keep going. Even though she's not exactly like me and you are seemingly the only ones who yell that we want more of Andy. But I said they're going to – I guess they're going to try to do something so that her and, and Flash can team up and go. This does set up Andy to be something more than just – Hey, you know, we get the Life Foundation symbiotes, Andy comes and then disappears for a while because as she's bleeding, it's the weirdest thing. And I, I don't understand it, but you, you got, you she's know, got Stevie. fire coming out. Yeah, she's got the hellfire. You end up having Flash pick her up, run her to Dr. Steve. Hey, you got anything there? Do you have the scream symbiote? Remember, he was trying to like reform it, redo something, which again felt weird anyway, because, this, but he's like, well, I didn't have a ton of the scream stuff, but I got some of that DNA combined it with your anti-venom stuff. And we got this as Andy's crawling over and just smashes open the, oh, yeah. the vial. And then it goes to her and she's like, I can't hear anything. I don't hear it, but she looks like scream, but it's an anti-venom scream. It's a white and version. Yeah, that's all it's. Yeah. And so you have the combo. And I, I thought it was funny because if you look at the one picture, I swear to God, they're making it so that you see a mouth and her two boobies are the eyes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Looks but, like a skull but, with two eyes. I, you know, I, this is a little cheesy, but I, I don't hate the change in, in what they're doing because I don't think it's bad. I feel like they've ruined the fire in symbiotes and, and they've kind of gotten away from even Flash being like a true anti venom where like when he touches them, they kind of like cower and, and that's what back. she she ends up, you know, almost like it's like some of that spray foam. Yeah, when she ends up touching Phage. He ends oh, up yeah. like he just it bad. bubbling up and going. And I do. And again, like I said, when we were talking about it, the idea that we like Andy, but Andy only comes up and things like that. Now, with that. It seems like you can't get away from these symbiote books. They keep popping up. But <laughs> we, we'll, me and you, like if you go and look. Like, we talk about Andy every six to eight months because yeah. that's when she pops up. She'll come up. And there are always these one-shots or these little things or an involvement event. It's like the and Ghost Rider story. I wish they would just keep it easier to follow. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so maybe that's the way to do this where you now have anti-venom Scream who is something different and is now and can be a hero. It's something where Andy now isn't, you know, a beck and call of Carnage and the Life Foundation deal. So she can take it and maybe what you get, you know, almost like in an X-23 type of book where Laura takes it back. I'm going to stop all these clones. I'm going to get this. Because remember, the setup at the end of the Venom story at that 200th legacy issue of the ending run of Donnie Cates, the big thing that it was Flash in the Starbucks. Yeah, And you end up having the the Roxxon guys or whoever it was come in and like, hey, we're here to take you out. He's like, oh, buddies, you know, but it wasn't him. Everybody else in there were symbiotes. And then that was what we thought, okay, the flashbook, that'll be going and stopping all these gathering them up, whatever. That is something that I think would be cool to have Andy with him 
Because, you know, a lot of times a book, if you just have Flash, that you just have Flash talking to himself. I like when you have a team up, and I think that that's all this is here. But it's okay. Like you said, you like the concept. I do, too. Because you do get, you know, a lot of the anti-venom when she does then go and takes it back to Phage. And, and pretty much. And it's funny, too, because then you're reminded this whole deal where there's Phage. He gets it, jumps out a window, falls to his death. It's never a death. It ends up just the goo goes and the dog gets it now, almost like how we started with him off in Canada, wherever he was hunting. So it, it, it's never an ending for these things, right? So no. you're just like, okay, it's a dog. Now you're just going to, and that's what the funny thing is. I think that Phage then fulfills the role of this series of this book was, okay, I have to kill Andy so that Andy comes back as something different. I'll now be a dog that now I guarantee you this dog just walks to D.C., to join up with Carnage. And uh, like I said, there's a little aside that that played off really weird, where you have a kid walk, you know, hey, I'm watching the soap operas. Oh, this isn't good. Hey, there's the kid shows. Oh, this isn't good. Let me see. Oh, my God. Here's footage coming from Alchemax. And that's like he's saying rocks on. It's Alchemax. You know, and all this where they're going. And now we get Toxin. And all of a sudden, then I'm like, Toxin, you got the short end of the stick if that's all we're getting, where Toxin forms and then heads off, seemingly to go stop some things or join in. So you, you end up with that. But at the end, you do end up having this guy who, you know, he ended up having Lasher use and gets to DC. He becomes just a dead carnage, sends him off to his full death, says, thanks for the memories, old man. And all this guy wanted to do was remember his family. Yeah. And literally he got suckered into this all because of, uh, you know, carnage playing his wife for five seconds. Yeah. And then you end up where this new look for Andy looking out the window, that page jumped out. It was like, hey, Flash comes up. Are you okay, Andy? Just staring there, not saying anything, and, and really being silent, like uh, she had said. And this happened with that. And like you said, you even joked, is she going to be called Silencer now? And and the big <laughs> thing about it is, it's like you go from scream to mum's the word. It's supposed to, that that I don't love. No. I, I want to see you know more of what's going on and and have her kind of talk. But it doesn't even look like she has a mouth. So we'll see how that goes. And then we go to Senator Crane, who's yelling, "We Americans believe in a." You know, alien free society, we will not be silenced anymore, just as that like weird little play. And then you just end up next, Extreme Carnage Riot. All right, we'll see what's going on. Right, it's big dude. So it's okay. I'm, here's the thing I like what happens with Andy, but I don't necessarily like what happens with her in the book. I like the concept of it. I want to see more of that. This was a Lasher book. Lasher was nothing. It was yeah. pretty much, hey, no. I'm going to take he this was... guy and go on a road trip quick. Yeah. And then Phage, when you're done with Phage, okay, we'll just it knock you out of the window with the anti to the Phage book and just getting Lasher where he needs to be. Yeah, and making Andy anti-Venom, you know, scream. So with that, though, yeah, I, I don't know why I kept saying Roxana, not Alchemex with the whole deal. But eh, there you are, because you do see in the next deal where it says Extreme Carnage Riot, you end up Riot looking like he's jumping out of the Alchemex building as well. So we'll see if that is what's going on. But overall, I- I'm telling you, just talking about the Andy stuff does get me a little bit excited, and that's why I think that you have. I mean, as a little shout-out as well, I think that you end up getting Clay McLeod Chapman to be able to come for this to make what is the first appearance of 
whatever they will call Andy now, anti-venom scream silence or whatever it will be. He's here for that, you know, first appearance, that first deal. So that's kind of cool for them to do that. But uh, I, I'd go six five, six five. May I see if if the Andy stuff plays out and it, it get. I could even go later on, go to a seven because we do like Andy and this gives her like a new lease on life. But I'll go six, eight. I'll go in between. Yeah, I think just that's where I'm, I'm at because I'd, I'd, the story wasn't a seven. It was too much all over the place and kind of uh, just a few things happened for convenience sake to throw another symbiote titled issue kind of into the mix here. They, they, I feel like they just have to hit the eight and we're going to get a different titled one every single time. And this was Lasher's crack at the whip here. And, and this is what we got. So, uh, you know, I, I do like the the Andy development. So, and I, I'm I do too. happy they kind of are treating, the, you know, the anti-venom suit as like, you know, more than a person with a gun now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah, all he does. Through you know? this, it's kind of what he's doing. So yeah, at least yeah, we get, still what you know, Flash a bit. Doing, which I don't mind so much. But, uh, you know, I, I like the, um, I, I think they got to treat. Flash's suit more more as a symbiote than just like an army suit that he uses as as an that he ammo uses armor almost holder. it's like yeah, armor and holder exactly. yeah like a uh, and it's funny too because in a roundabout way like it's a carnage book but it's not we don't get any real carnage carnage no. is always of the mind or of the deal and what you are doing is quietly turning Andy into the ultimate sim. Like she has hellfire yeah. now. Now she's anti venom and still has a bit of the scream deal. I mean, what more can you do? Oh, but we like Andy. Anti venom. Yeah. She, I mean, she's Andy. everything. She's <laughs> yeah. everything now. I mean, it, it, seriously, if if somehow she could get like a giant like. Mecha Sonic type deal. I mean, she could take everybody down. Yeah. And and Super remember, symbiote stopper. That's her remember new name. the whole deal of this. Just as an aside, before this, she was one of the only ones that hurt Null. I mean, by herself yeah. with the Hellfire, so she had him running scared. Yeah. yeah, and then just left. And uh, yeah, now she has hands. I mean, holy moly. Uh, but again, it's funny too because I don't think anybody really cares anyway. We like Andy and Andy. This can't be like it's not like all of a sudden saying like all of a sudden she shows up in this issue and you're like, what the crap? What are you doing here? Because it's been such a long, slow burn with yeah. her to kind of get to this. And uh, yeah, I like it though. I I like that idea that I think that overall though. This could have just been the start of a flash time. Just call it anti venom core and have freaking, you know, flash. He's going out and doing things. You got old Steve, all that. And then Andy becomes, and that feels more like its own story. But then Carnage is just there on the cover, and you have this thing, and it's like the Carnage part's a little nothing. I mean, if you're here for Carnage himself, I think you're going to be very disappointed. But. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it ends up and what Carnage's overall plan. I mean, what's his overall plan to become president? Yeah, and yeah, then it seems like what does he do? Like it's funny too. He's Carnage, right? So when he becomes president, what is he going to do? Pass a law that everybody dies? <laughs> I, you know what is it? Like here's my new law. I'm Carnage, and I say the law is I get to kill you. Like, like what is he going to do Sounds that he terrible. needs it? He's Carnage. Like, this is almost like Null coming down and saying, instead of just attacking Earth, he's like, I'm going to become an a, a Instagram person so that I get all my influence. Go, no, no, no. You just do it. Carnage, you destroy things. You eat things. You do that. Just do it. 
he's just power hungry, I guess, and wants to. I don't know. It's almost like he's going to become president and just say, "I told you so," and, and then ends up just. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Set up bombs. And he's carnage. Like you know what I mean? It's so kind of silly. <laughs> it is, but you know. It's from the pages, though, because you know what they're going for in this whole, you know, keep Earth great sort of, you know, oh, wink, yeah. wink and stuff yeah, like that. It's and it's not just very like, subtle. It's not subtle. And you know what? We're at issue four, and I'm already like, I I push that aside so much. Yeah. You know, I, I really don't care about that. It's kind of taking a backseat a little bit to it, but it was real heavy, the first two issues. I'm yeah, like, but like at this point, I'm like, every time I see it now, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Like, well, Same. let's see what's care. going on. And Andy and Flash. I try to look past the most that annoying stuff in books and try, you know, at least this one, I can find a few things I like. The last one we discussed, that there were some issues there. I, I, there wasn't much to like. Well, that so, was, I mean, that was on I the page on that. That was the spirit writer. Yes, I, I might be a little more positive than I normally would be for a book like this. But yeah, I, I like it for a 6 8 for what it is. It's okay. It's funny, too, because I just ended up talking to Clay. Uh, about a bunch of books too and with those like this one i think you're right i have a little more positive feeling about this because the other ones annoyed me Mm -hmm. that's it's just what happens in the draw of when we talk i guess but it's okay i mean me and you'll be talking the riot one and we're going to talk about all these and it it could be worse it's it's actually gotten better it's weird because phil kennedy johnson seems to be the you know head master of all this and that was the worst issue in my mind that first one really wasn't that great but all that said i'm gonna go and try to find that monster mash cereal some more i have like one other place but i'm starting to think that the best play is to look at like a dollar general or something i'm right? telling something you the like last the good time i got um the good rice crispy treat cereal I I flat out ordered six boxes from Walmart and had it shipped to my house. I I actually looked and and when I went to the site and I went to it, you couldn't even order it. So I'm thinking maybe it was very very limited. Yeah. But why wouldn't it come out? And it seems like it came sometimes, out in May. Yeah. Why wouldn't it come they out put, in October? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they put those in weird spots of the store too. It's like not in the cereal aisle. It's in like a display area. By That's the what meat. I was. I was looking for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, it's right there near the ribs. <laughs> yeah. I, I was looking for this cheese that me and my son like when we end up. We put a little cheese on our soft pretzels when we're making them. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 Martin's cheese. It's Martin's brand cheese. They also make really kick-ass Is that a potato local chips by you? that we like. No, nah, it's kind of, but it's it's a potato chip and snack thing. And and if you do look, a lot of the main snacks or whatever, they are local to us. The Pennsylvania and, you know, Lancaster and things like that are big with chips and pretzels and stuff like that. So they end up having it. We're looking everywhere for this damn stuff. And then we looked on the thing because you can go on the website and it'll say, you know, aisle six or whatever. And they lied. It wasn't theirs, but it said they had it. And we were looking all over the place for it. We finally found it. It was back near like the, the cinnamon buns. It's a little <laughs> can of cheese. Why is it at the cinnamon buns? But we found it. And then we got home and we made some pretzels and I ate too many and I got a little sick. So. It's one of my things. That's my Been weird there. thing about cereal. Mm-hmm. Cereal is about the only thing that I really like that's sweet. Uh-huh. I'm more of a salty guy, which, you know, doesn't help my blood pressure. Neither do these comics, by the way. But uh, <laughs> with that, if I if I have a choice, we ended up uh, today, we had wonton soup for lunch. Uh, at the end, just drinking that wonton soup broth, and it's so salty. I was I was in heaven. And then I got a headache because that's what happens now. 
I'm an old man, but yeah, we we end up having to go when we take my wife to her doctor. We have to go twice a month to take her to the doctor, and it's like in the next town. But they have a really good Chinese restaurant there, and also a turkey farm where we get fresh turkey sandwiches. But this time it was the it was time for Chinese. So we got that pretty good. Also, they have a like they have their lunch specials, and legitimately their lunch specials are six dollars, and you get a ton of fried rice. You get whatever, you know, your main meal, but also you get a wonton soup and an egg roll. It's like it's the best thing ever. I'm telling you, every other place gives Uh, you like skimps off on something or doesn't give it to you. um, Chinese places during lunch, you save yourself like three or four dollars if you order lunch instead of dinner from those places. Telling you, this place is unbelievable because like a lot of them will have fried rice in the meal, right? Or they'll have an egg roll. But this has fried rice, wonton soup, egg roll and the meal. I'm like, this is the best. And they they. They give you a lot, and yeah, but we ended up having that one ton soup. It was really good, uh, and then the egg roll. I ate it all, and then I felt like crap. Yeah, <laughs> I always I do. I always happens. do. But yeah, so that's the Chinese deal. I always get the egg foo young. That is my meal to go uh, today. Logan got the uh, sweet and sour chicken, which I told him is the most generic meal you can get, and that's for little kids. I yelled at him. I said, what, what are you doing? And he's like, I just want to. I'm like, you're terrible. And then he got mad at me. <laughs> so that's how I treat him. I'm yelling at him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, next next time we go, we'll get that turkey sandwich, which is the best sandwich I've ever had in my life and has cranberry relish on it. And it is, it's awesome. I love it. But that's just me and my food. But yeah, that's it for me and Brandon. Thank you for joining me, Brandon. Yes, sir. And you'll be back uh, next week, probably with another one of these extreme carnage and probably some other things. As I try to get you more and more inspired to reading the books again, because there's a lot of stuff that you aren't reading. And I haven't even gotten your opinion. Uh, As we go, Nick Spencer off of Spider-Man. Is it a possibility that you'll be reading Spider-Man again? Uh, I will try the new writer. Yes. (laughs) Whoever it is. It's it's not one of his brood, is it? No, no. Well, here's the deal. It's a bunch of writers. It seems like they're all getting together. I don't know if that's because they want to kind of put a little distance between Nick Spencer's run and then get into another one. But I know one of them's Kelly Thompson. You know, you're not a big fan of hers. I'm. I mean, I've been I've been waiting for him to get off to get back into it. He's he's one of my favorites, so I do like to. Yeah, yeah, you love him, right? A little secret empire. You love it. Uh, But with all of that, we'll go off and I'm going to be talking about a couple more books to finish up the podcast. All right. Now I'm going to be talking about Silk Number 5 right here, written by Maureen Gu. Art by Takeshi Maezawa. Colors by Ian Herring and letters by VC's Ariana Mayer. The cat demon Keisha has been killing gangsters in Queens, home to the spider hero Silk. By day, Silk works for the news site Threats and Menaces as civilian reporter Cindy Moon. While investigating the murders for a story, Cindy hit upon a connection between Keisha and the tech company Fujinet, headed by a young woman named Seiya Ishii. Upon further investigation, Cindy learned that Seiya is the daughter protege of the notorious crime boss Silvermane, which makes it all the more dangerous that Seiya knows Cindy's secret identity. Also, Cindy's hot new therapist is actually Seiya's brother Max, but Cindy doesn't know that yet. Meanwhile, thanks to Cindy snooping, Seiya discovered that Keisha was sacrificing gangsters behind her back to summon an ancient demon god. Using her high-tech jewelry drones, Seiya tried to stop Keisha, but she was no match for the feline menace and had to retreat. Now Seiya has come to Silk for help in stopping Keisha before it's too late. 
and a lot of stuff in that recap obviously that's a longer recap than what we usually get and my biggest problem is you you have to recap some of that because some of that just kind of got left behind the idea of max being the brother of saya and also kind of finagling into and posing as cindy's therapist was a cool idea but only was really used to get Saya to know who Cindy was, knowing that she is Silk. And then at the end, you know, spoiler alert, at the end, you'll have Cindy find out, oh, my God, that hot therapist Max was your brother. But it never plays out. And a lot of the things in this don't really play out very well, including how it ends with the cat demon Keisha and this demon god that they're trying to, you know, summon. Because at one point, Again, spoiler, they will defeat Keisha in a very bloody way. And then it just almost is assumed that just because of that, that demon is gone. It kind of just gets pushed aside in a very odd way. But we start off with Saya and Cindy in Cindy's apartment talking about what they have to do, what they're going to do, how they have to stop Keisha together. And the idea that Cindy's like, are you trying to stop this, you know, cat demon that you're working with? Are you trying to stop her because... You know, the good of the world Are you trying to stop her Because it kind of has kind of Put, you know, the thumbs into your plans Of taking over The crime bosses and things like that And I'll give the one thing I like Saya in general I like the back and forth with Saya and Cindy And Saya is like Little column A, column B I mean, she is not a good gal She is a villain And when you end this book she goes off, and if we did continue whatnot, she's a pretty formidable villain for Cindy because she knows Cindy is Silk. That's pretty, you know, big. So she says, well, you know, I, I do what I do, you do what you do, and that's the problem is Cindy can't just walk away. Cindy can't say, well, whatever, I'm not dealing with you. I'm not. First off, they both need each other, and Cindy's going to have to just pretty much, you know, bite her lip and go and help say because it is for the good. Of everyone so she does go off But first they need a lab They need somewhere that they can get some tech And make some quick things and they end Up calling you know Spider-Man and some people But they end up getting their friend Lola and it's Albert And Cindy's friend Lola who works At the UWDC Building the United World Defense Council and she's able To kind of card swipe them into The tech lab They end up making some things really quickly And then going off leaving Albert and Lola as almost like their home base tech team. They're there. They can end up watching everything through drones, through Saya's stuff. And you end up having Saya and Cindy go off to that cave, that glowing green cave kind of in a tree. And they go and, you know, confront Keisha and this demon. And you do have Keisha's, you know, completing this whole spell. And, and the thing is with this at a point, it is weird because you have, you know, the demon Keisha there trying to, you know, summon this big god. And you kind of get confused. Like, okay, you're already a demon cat, but you need this god. You're summoning. And usually the play here is is that you'll have the heroes come in as the bad guy or gal is summoning the demon. And you have to stop the bad person before the summoning. And, and you know, you'll have things where, oh, my God, stop there. You know, get that candle out. Stupid stuff like that. But with this, you do see the demon come to life. The demon's there. The demon kind of comes to life, but at points seems to maybe just be mimicking Keisha's attacks, but then isn't. 
And then it's just weird. Like I said, you never fully get that idea of this spell, this summoning spell. What does it mean? Is Keisha working as a vessel? Are you doing because you just have Cindy and Saya come in and start fighting, including fighting this demon that ends up, you know, coming to life. Well, you end up having Keisha then draw a little symbol on the ground. It it ends up glowing. And then the eyes of this demon come to life, then glowing red and starts to attack. But with that, I'm not exactly sure the play here. Again, because you're having an okay fight. At one point, you know, you end up having Keisha still continuing the spell. And say, you know, shut her up. And Cindy Moon, now Cindy is Silk. So Silk ends up webbing Keisha's mouth shut. So, okay, you can't say the spell. But what, what is, where are we in this process? Where are we? Is it just a mindless golem that'll end up just dying if Keisha gets killed? I, I just didn't get it. Maybe it's just because I'm a dummy. And I am a dummy. But yeah, and, and the fight goes on. And you end up, again, having some pretty decent back and forth between Saya and Silk. And I wouldn't mind later on if we had a Silk book again or whatnot seeing Say again because I think she, she could be a pretty cool character. Uh, with that, they end up pretty much taking down Keisha by hitting the app with the cat whistle, with an animal whistle that ends up going at a frequency that people can't hear but ends up you know, pretty much disabling Keisha being a cat demon. Falls down yelling, oh my god, it hurts. Saya ends up explaining it. It's a blast of insanely high-pitched noises that only animals can hear. So like, okay, well now that Keisha's down, let's go and fight this demon. And they end up just fighting a second. It ends up destroying drones. And then you end up where Cindy swings over at the demon and says to Saya, Saya, keep an eye on the cat. Now Saya goes over, and in my mind, you're playing the idea that Okay, this is when there's the double cross applesauce going on, right? You're going to end up with with some stuff. And how dare you do that to Silk? I mean, I ended up really thinking it was because you get these two together again. Is it going to be like, you know, one of those, hey, listen, let's take down Silk really quick. You, You did really good with this demon. Now we can really go wreck house. That does not happen. That actually doesn't happen. And and there's a twist. But is it because what Saya does after... You know, some Keisha trash talk. Hey, you humans, you don't know what you're dealing with. The Satan power, you're going to be done. Your puny existence, all that stuff. Where then all of a sudden, Saya hits a button after she's like, hey, that's what's interesting about tiny things like tech. Even when it's small, it's powerful, like against an ancient demon. And ends up pressing a button. You know, she's got a lot of apps, she does. My my wife Tanya gets a lot of apps too, and what what she does. Hopefully, Saya doesn't do this, but Saya actually has a lot of money, so maybe. But she always gets these apps and gets the free trials, and then we get charged the next month. And I'm telling you, this is like 16 apps hit. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I thought that was free. I'm like, did did it say that you had to put in any sort of credit card info? Yeah. I'm like, well, then it's not free. It's not free, and we just got judged, so it really isn't free. But luckily, she did her own tech, the FujiNet she did. I I think that we owed FujiNet like 14 bucks last month, but she ends up hitting a button. A thing that looks like maybe a little teeny tech drone, it really is not played out well, just goes thunk right into the ear of this Keisha, of this demon cat. 
which then ends up falling. And this is what I said about the idea. Is this a, and I'm talking the demon, is the demon a like golem-like thing that's mimicking the, you know, actions of, because it wasn't before at points, but all of a sudden you end up having case you go, or is it that one of these tech deals went into this, Demon God as well as Keisha I don't know it doesn't show that But both of them fall down Both of them go thump down to the Ground together and there's a thump And a thud and and Cindy Looking at the demon God Says nice So what is going On here because then what happens is You know Saya's like you know I just saw that Suicide Squad movie And I think I'm going to play a little Amanda Waller And ends up pressing a button That says explode Again, I think Tanya might have this app as well, and I got to watch myself, watch my P's and Q's, right? And then it's a boom, and you see just a through pretty much like us looking at Cindy through a bunch of blood and guts. And then you end up having Lola and Albert back at the deal saying, oh, my God, we lost visual. Albert says I'm going to hurl. But then as far and I keep looking at these couple pages to figure this out, you do end up seeing the head blown off of the cat god or you know the demon cat i mean Keisha. now there also is a purple bloody like thing that you could assume is from the god the demon god that was summoned but is that the case and can demon gods just get their heads blown off i wish that this would have played out a little better i wish this was explained a little more even through the art which I do like the art in this, but it it gets a little wonky, especially with an ending of this and this big fight and stuff like that, where Cindy's like, no, how could you do that? We are, we're supposed to be a team. And then Seo just goes back to evil person. Seo says, well, you know, I did that so you could keep your hands clean. And then by the way, yeah, I'm kind of bad, right? I'm kind of bad to the bone here. And Cindy's like, oh, my God, but you have a tech company. You're going to inherit it. You could have been the best thing ever. You could use your tech for good. And I actually liked this explanation where Saya just kind of says, well, I just kind of like doing things, you know, whether it's good or bad. I just like seeing what's happening in the cycle of power. Why not me? Like, you know, I I do the tech, good, bad, whatever. You can call it what you want. But people have power and other people don't. Why not? I'm going to have the power and then just says that it's fulfilling for me. And she says, I'm not angry. I don't hate people because that's what Cindy's going with. And this is the interesting part, actually, this is where Cindy's like, why, why are you so mad? Why can't you be optimistic? Why can't you be nice? And Saya says, and this might be like one of those things that makes the worst evil criminal type things like even a Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor over at D.C., He's dangerous because he always thinks he's doing the right thing. And sometimes it seems that he is, but he always is doing it. And he'll let anybody just get destroyed in his wake. She's kind of going with that as well and says, you know, that's the thing with all this. You're saying that I'm evil. You're good. You're happy. I'm sad, whatever. It's not like that. I'm not angry. This is just what I find fulfilling. And you'll never understand that. I find anything like this fulfilling. You don't. You won't understand because. You're good. You are a superhero. You are always there to help people. I don't care. And she walks off, and you have her goons outside waiting. And it's a cool deal. It's a, it is a cool callback. These are goons that pretty much Silk had saved already. And she even says, 
Really, you guys, I saved you. You would have been dead if it wasn't for me. Why would you still support this bad person? You know, who actually teamed up with this Keisha that I saved you from? And again, it's kind of a cool thing that Maureen Goo's going with because it's the right answer, pretty much. These guys say money. That, that's why we're getting paid. We're getting paid a lot of money. So we're going to stop you. And pretty much at this, Saya doesn't want them to really hurt Cindy. They just to delay her because she's going off. She's going to go off. I don't want Cindy chasing me, whatnot. So just delay even says, don't hurt her pretty face. You even get that idea throughout this. There's a bit of sexual tension between them and things in this fight and stuff like that. But the big thing then is a car pulls up as Cindy's getting put in a choke hold, like a sleeper hold. And it is Max. Max, the brother of Saya, who also was, you know, Cindy's supposed therapist. And Cindy's upset. She's already taken down a bunch of these guys, but she looks and like, really, brother? Oh, my God, what happened? How could this happen to me? And she just goes off. She, they squeal the tires. Both of them leave. And a towel goes flying out the back. And it says, we'll always have the cave. I'm like, that, that doesn't. She is like a designer of things, pretty much. You know, don't don't go into the fashion industry because that looks terrible. Uh, but then Cindy goes back to threats and menaces, starts writing the story about how the bad gal was Saya from Fujinet ended up doing this. Now, in the meantime, there's really no evidence of that. There's only evidence of a cat demon with a head blown off and maybe a de- the idea that they're even reporting this like hey next up uh, the story about the demon god who lost their head oh my god and saying all this but it's almost now being pushed that it's blamed on silk I'm telling you that a cop I, I know this is a comic book world but i'm a cop and i go and like oh we heard a disturbance where's the disturbance oh it's at the park okay we're in the park well it's at this glowing tree cave All right, here we go. One of those cases again. Then you go down and you see a demon cat with its head blown off. And then, you know, El Diablo over there, a demon god with its head blown off. I am either, you know, it's time for me to go on vacation. I quit. I mean, this stuff, how do you even report that? I I don't even know what the paperwork would be. Uh, Well, the demon god, I think it was from Hades. You know, it smelled like brimstone in there. And then, the, you know, you have a cat. Really? I'm like, let's just pretend this didn't happen. You'd see me. I'd be the worst cop in a comic book universe. I'd just be walking slowly backwards and then maybe even throwing a match down there. I'm like, I don't know what happened. And no evidence. I have no idea. I don't have any idea with that. Even that, like, just imagine any start of a, you know, a horror movie. Usually a horror movie. A family moves into what they think is a nice house. And they're going to, oh, finally, we found this nice house. Why was it so cheap? You know, three days later, the walls are bleeding and there's demons coming out of the toilet, right? This skips all of that. I walk down into a cave of a tree and see a demon god without a head and a a demon cat. I mean, the next thing you know, I'm screaming that they moved the headstones and didn't move the graves. And next thing, my kid's stuck at a television. I'm out of here. I'm telling you, I quit. Uh, But with all that, you end up where it just ends with Jay Jonah talking uh, to Cindy about how he thinks that Silk is the bad guy, all this stuff. But even the idea of Silk was, you know, guarding bodyguard of Jay Jonah with Jay Jonah Silk and having the whole deal with that. Everything kind of just gets pushed aside. 
by the end to just end with this idea that Saya and Max go off and could be a future villains with that. And then you end up having, you know, Silk swinging through New York City and talking about how, oh, my God, the K-drama of it all. And why do some people end up being bad people? And why do I trust them? And can I trust people again? It's the thing that keeps coming. Even with that, you end up having at the end where Cindy is yelling at Say about, uh, you know, I, I still care for people and I was trapped in the vault. We always get that. So you do get it by the end with that. But yeah, I I like this overall. You know, this whole series has been okay. I like it enough because I like Silk. I like Cindy. But each issue, and then especially by the Senate, it, it feels like like you can almost grab a good story out of this. You could, oh, but it's just slightly out of reach. There's always a lack of a detail or something that didn't play out fully or something that was dropped that always kept every issue from really being something special. And I think that that's the thing that upsets me the most that I I think that Maureen Goo gets the concepts of what, you know, you need from a good silk book. It's just never quite there. It's never quite in your grasp. And by the end, it feels like it was okay, but not great when I really wanted to love it. So with that, I'm still going to be positive for this last one and give it a seven. But uh, again, that's some art deal. But even that got a little wonky. But I do like Cindy, so I'm going to give it a little bit of a bonus, but not a ton. I saw some reviews, you know, a little, little high on my mind. I mean the people reviewing it, not the scores. Oh, my. <laughs> Shade. Uh, but yeah, overall, if you're a Silk fan... And you haven't read any of these And you're like, well, should I get it? Well, I I would probably wait just a little bit Some of the issues are already on the Marvel Unlimited I would actually read it through there uh, to check it out But with that, I'm going to go and talk about one last book Something that ends up having something really near and dear to my heart You'll see what that is right about now And this is Deadpool Black, White, and Blood number 1 With a story by Tom Taylor and Phil Noto Another one by Ed Brisson and we'll say Portacio and then a final story by James Stoko. And we'll get into these individual ones in a second. But yeah, this is one of those anthology books. We've had the same thing with Wolverine Carnage. We've had a bunch of these. DC has done it as well. And it's a gimmick book. It really is. But what I like about this issue, this number one, and I like Deadpool and I like Deadpool for different reasons. Most, Deadpool things that I like are more pop culture references than just the penis and fart jokes and stuff like that. And this has that, but it also ends up having something that I mentioned is near and dear to my heart. It's Gabby. You end up having Honey Badger in this in the first story called Red All Over by Tom Taylor with art by Phil Noto and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. And that's always going to get me. And I know that there's haters that don't like Gabby. But they, they don't have to read this then. They don't have to listen because I'm telling you, if you don't like Gabby, that's your prerogative. You could be Bobby Brown. You can have your prerogative all day. But if you don't like Gabby and Deadpool together, I, I don't know. You might not have a soul because they are solid gold gems, they are. And you end up where Deadpool needs some help. He ends up calling Spider-Man. Spider-Man does not take the call. He ends up calling a Logan Wolverine. Wolverine answers and like, is this Wade? Yeah, yeah, it's me, buddy. You have this number? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. And throws that burner phone over his shoulder while he's riding the motorcycle down the road. So he got rid of that phone. Well, then you end up having Deadpool call Gabby. 
He's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, honey badger, thanks. You you answered. Nobody else did. She's like, I'm your best friend. Why didn't you call me first? And again, breaking the fourth wall said, we tried that in another draft, but it seemed weird to call a kid first for something so dangerous and violent. And then Gabby's like, how violent are we talking? And then Deadpool, let's just say, I hope there are no children reading. And you end up seeing Deadpool there. His guts are hanging out. You have a bunch of zombie animals just destroyed. Wade's one sword is still going through one of the dogs. And he ends up saying, if intestines are on the outside, that means kids can't read. And it's like, there's a Marvel teaching moment. He has the thumbs up. It's funny. And you end up, though, when Gabby shows up and it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know, how are you? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. My intestines are back inside. She's like, that's good. That's where they're supposed to be. But what's going on here? He's like, well, this is a zombie lab and they're making zombie animals and they're making zombie attack animals. Let's figure out who's doing this. Let's stop them. whatnot. And again, the, the solid gold of Gabby and Deadpool is, is the dialogue between each of them because Gabby is so ultra violent. But, you know, but in a, a nice way at points, it's so cute. And then Deadpool just takes her like, this is the thing. This is why I love them together. Deadpool treats Gabby as fully an equal, doesn't look down on her ever, doesn't matter her age or whatnot. And actually at points seems in awe of Gabby, thinking Gabby is the coolest person he's ever met. And he's right. So they go and they end up seeing a zombie zebra running through New York City and pretty much trampling and destroying one. And you end up getting one guy, he's checking his playlist as he's walking, looks up, oh man, a zebra. He ends up getting just demolished by the zebras running and Gabby and Deadpool have to take this thing out. And they do, they jump at it, they take it down. Wade ends up underneath the the zebra, which they keep the zombra, the, they keep going with different sorts of names with that. But when he gets up, he looks and is like, oh, my God, I think that Zombra, I think it bit my hand. Gabby immediately, with no hesitation, cuts off his hand, slice off. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? And she says, you're going to get the zombie virus. And then Wade's like, well, I-, I think I'm immune. And she says, and again, these lines are so good. And she's like, hey, real friendship is an overeager amputation. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, I guess it is. Well, they end up going off to find out who did this because gabby looking at the zebra says this is me and wade's like what what you're stripey and hooved no 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 i was made in a lab to be a monster as well deadpool looks at her and says i can relate to that and you end up having gabby and again it's showing you why gabby's so great and all this where she says i don't like seeing innocent creatures suffer can we do something and and deadpool says sure kid and it's so funny because with these two That's as innocent, seemingly, as, hey, can we go for ice cream? Oh, yeah, we could do that, kid. It's like, can we go and, you know, get bloody revenge on whoever's doing this and make sure they never do anything again? Yeah, sure, kid. It's the same thing to them. They end up going to this Paul Mive, you know, building, the big headquarters of this whole corporation to go and find this Mr. Paul Mive who's doing all this. And, again, Tom Taylor plays it really well because these are small stories. So you can't have too much going on so what he ends up doing instead of having to fight all the way to the penthouse to get this guy they just get there and say to the ceo mr palmive you know we came here and we thought we were gonna have to fight through people but it seems everybody hates you even your employees they all think you're a piece of crap for what you're doing they just said right up here and stepped aside and we got here so 
you're going to stop this, right? You're going to stop doing what you're doing. He's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And Gabby ends up, you know, schnickting. She's going to take care of this guy. She's going to kill him. And that's where you end up having Wade step in and say, hey, you want to get that? And with that, you end up having a bunch of baby zebras in cages in this room. And he says, hey, Gabby, you want to go and get all these baby zebras out of here? And she's like, well, I've literally dreamed of being the Pied Piper of ponies all my life. And then Wade's like, who hasn't? And she goes off and's like, okay. And he ends up saying, Mr. Palmive and I are going to have a little chat. Gabby says about being a human scum. Exactly. And you have Gabby take the zebras out. Now, if you have read Tom Taylor's All New Wolverine, the first arc ends very similarly, where you end up having director Chandler of the genetics division of Alchemex, who ended up creating Gabby, the other sister clones, and ended up, you know, torturing them and things like that. You end up where at the end, Laura and Gabby are right there with this Chandler. Chandler has already had pretty much his tendons in the back of his hamstrings, the back of his knee cut, which always gives me the creeps even now. But Gabby says, can I talk to him? And when Gabby talks and Laura leaves, you know, Gabby says, oh, Laura's pretty cool, right? I mean, she's taught me a lot and she's teaching me to be better. She's teaching me to be a better person and not be the evil thing that you tried to make me. So you're lucky. And she doesn't kill him. She ends up, you know, threatening him, scaring him, and then walking off, skipping off, actually, which is pretty funny. In this, though, it's the opposite where Deadpool's there and says, hey, that Gabby, she's pretty cool. Right? She was made to be a monster, but she's something else. She's better than all of us. Almost, you know, mirroring that whole deal and saying, you know, I'm going to give you one last chance because of her, because of how nice she is and how much, you know, she means to me. You tell me right now you're going to stop this and then I'll walk away and you just stop it. This guy's like, you sound like all those cowards who keep trying to stop me on, you know, the board of directors. These cowards are jerks. And I'm not going to turn this down to some bleeding heart like you or that girl or whatnot. So then pretty much Deadpool says, you want to make more zombie zebras? I say nay and runs him through, kills him. And and that's a cool like Gabby ended up not killing director Chandler because she was learning to be a better person where Deadpool here kills this guy, Paul Mive, because Gabby is such a great person. It's kind of a funny little juxtaposition of the deal if you are a fan of Gabby and Tom Taylor's all new Wolverine. Again, I know there's some haters, but that's what happened. Hate is going to hate, but that ends that story, and I I really, really like that story. I really do. The next story, Hotline to Heaven by Ed Brisson with art by Will Say Portasio, colors by Rachel Rosenberg and letters by VCs Joe Savino, gives me the other thing that I love. You know, I love Gabby, so that's going to, you know, win me over that first story. But the next, this one, it's full-out pop culture, and it's some made-up pop culture, but some things thrown in that's real, all these things where – you have the deal where Deadpool, and I'm, I'm thinking that Ed Brisson, an, an older guy, he's sitting there, and he's trying to catch up with the tech, with the streaming stuff. Everything's streaming now. You can't go to the, the blockbuster, right? So he's there, and Deadpool's sitting there trying to stream the cinematic masterpiece Hotline to Heaven. It's not available streaming. And, and this is something that I think it's funny because I think everybody's kind of run into this at one point, especially if you're a little older and you want to watch not quite a classic, something that's not the greatest, but it, it kind of tickled your fancy. And what Deadpool wants to do is is watch this movie because it's something that he really liked as a kid. Well, it's and it stars B. Arthur, which is great for Deadpool, who 
always seems to love Golden Girls, B. Arthur, and all of that going on. Betty White also. So he ends up, he's got to find this. Now, he breaks his, his remote, and he heads out to go to the video store. Ain't no video stores anymore. He shows up. I mean, this thing is out of business for 20 years. And he's there, and he's like, oh, my God. He sees some people fighting, ends up stopping this fight, saving some people, grabbing some people, hitting some people. But one of the guys ends up living in the video store and used to be a video clerk there. And he's, that, that's where you get the information. Oh, my God, this place has been closed forever. Hey, do you have, you know, hotline deal, the masterpiece hotline to heaven? No, no, we don't have anything anymore. All the movies got bought up by the leader of the country of North Val Known, pretty much North Korea. And this guy has them in a vault where only he gets to watch them, things like that. Well, Deadpool's not going to go for that. And he says, tell me where this is. And he goes there, and pretty much the fun of this part is just that he is slicing and dicing through everybody just to get a B. Arthur movie. And while he's doing that, you do end up, like I said, some of the movies, even this one, The Hotline of Heaven, you know, not quite real, but it's almost like, you know, oh, God, is what it sounds like. It's the movie as B. Arthur lives in a telephone booth where the telephone is a direct connection to God. That That's the premise of what this movie would have been. Well, while he's going through, and it's pretty much like a giant blockbuster that he's going, if you're old enough to know, which makes me sad that I say that, but he's going through all these movies, and he's yelling like, what, London After Midnight? Who cares? Magnificent Andersons, I doubt it. Uh, bargain with Bullets, never heard of it, throws it. But then he says, the day the clown cried sounds dumb. And that actually is a pretty cool reference. That's pretty much a Jerry Lewis movie. And it is awful. It's supposed to be one of the worst movies ever made. Jerry Lewis would not allow it to be released once it was finally made. This was going to be his masterpiece. But basically, it is a movie about a Jewish clown who's hired to entertain kids as they are on the trains going to the concentration camps in World War II. So, yeah, not good. And so it just made me laugh that it was in there. He sounds dumb. Throws it. Well, you end up where he ends up going again, slicing, dicing, finds out there's a B. Arthur, you know, kind of wing here in this. He says, well, that makes sense. You know, all the B grabs the movie, ends up getting out of there by pretty much blowing up everything, goes home to watch the movie, puts it in, has to buy a VHS or VCR to put it in and ends up realizing this movie sucks and it's not as good as what it used to be now. I don't, I don't like the idea that he doesn't like a B. Arthur movie, but it is a funny deal that he went through all of this only to find out it sucked and says, I even had to buy a VCR for 20 bucks, starts kicking the deal. It's fun. It's a fun little story. It's what I would expect from an anthology thing like this, but pretty good. You end up with the last story, and it's James Stokoe and born in the Uzerusser. And it's James Stokoe writing art and letters, and I like James Stokoe's art here, where you end up having Omega Red call Deadpool and say, hey, you want to join me? I have this new nation I set up. It's in Canada. It's my own country. I'm starting it. Come on up. Check it out. Deadpool does, goes there, and he finds out that this is the ultra special zone of the Omega Red-sponsored United Soviet Republic, Usurusur, and it goes catchy. And you have Omega Red coming. The art looks great. The art and all this looks really, really good. And you end up, but I, I like, I like James Stokoe's art a lot. You end up Omega Red comes out, hugs Wade. Hey, you like this? This is utopia on Earth. At one point, 
Wade's like, well, this is in Canada. Aren't you afraid of Alpha Flight coming in? Ah, screw them. I mean, what are they to Omega Red? And you, you have just this whole thing where he's giving him the walking tour, showing him that they have the cultural embassy, and pretty much it's a bunch of Omega Red albums that this guy is supposedly selling here with mostly Omega Red just playing the bass, which is kind of funny, and you see some funny little art with that. But one of the funnier things is there was a local who had already lived there named Gary. This old guy was just on his porch on his rocking chair with his cowboy hat on. An old dude. They also have a cat circus. But Gary comes into play as they go. Also, they have a missile defense and a lot of nukes. So all this said and done, you end up where seemingly they're getting attacked. But it's Ursa Major, you know, from the Winter Guard, the big giant bear. And he seems like he's upset. At Omega Red and at ports You're like you're a separatist You're not big enough you know you have this whole Soviet thing going on between them But by the end You end up finding out they're just upset At the flag they can't Make up a decision of which Flag they like but we'll get To that in a minute because as this is going On you end up having Ursa Major yell that he is now going to Activate his sleeper agents It's Gary Gary the old guy He gets up Comes, shoots Wade a couple times, but then has a bunch of knives. And what ends up happening is he puts the knives between his fingers and pretty much becomes old man Logan as he attacks Deadpool. It's pretty funny until Deadpool just turns around, shoots him, and then ends up, you know, pretty much launching a missile with Gary on the top, almost like a little slim pickens. Yeah, and he goes off and explodes. All these things going on, but really, this is just an argument. Because of the flag. What is the flag of the nation going to be? Ursa Major. He wants a flag that really is an Ursa Major flag. Omega Red wants the Omega Red flag. But in a cool deal here, you end up having a really funny thing where Deadpool's confused. Because these two flags, they're just red flags. Just complete red. And you end up where, oh, I get it. We're not allowed to use that many colors and things. So they think, you know, what they're saying, the flags are different, but we can only see them as red. So that gives Wade the idea, I'm going to go make a flag as well. Comes out, his is just a full red flag as well. And he's like, hey, check this out. And both of them think it's the greatest thing they have ever seen. He's like, here's the solution, the new flag of Ursa, Ursa, Ursa. Behold, the traditional red omega symbol acting as a noble pillar from whence the proud red bear human hybrid rises into the firmament. It's just a red flag. And they're like, oh, my God. They're crying. It's so nice. They end up deciding that's what we need. You know what? Under this brand new banner, I would love to be part of a nation with you. And both of them decide they're friends, shake hands, all this going on. You have almost like a propaganda looking deal through the twin disciplines of sewing and conflict resolution. Let our glorious country once again stand united. You have Omega Red, and it's the profiles that I'm standing proud, you know, Ursa Major and Deadpool who at the beginning, he just thought he was going to get some really good soup when he showed up. And he's, hey, where's the soup? Now, in the meantime, you do end up having a bit of Alpha Flag show up to give a gift of the Canadian flag, which everybody then gets pissed and blows up the whole thing with the nuke. So it's all over. But it's good. It's fun. It's just a quick, fun deal. And I love the art, like I said. And, and the idea of playing off the... Oh, I forgot this is only, you know, loud black, white, and blood, so I see what's going on here, all that. It's fun. 
So overall, with everything said and done, I'm an 8.8 for this. I really was impressed by this first issue. I thought it was really good. There's not a down you know, story in here. All three are really, really good. And so I would suggest if you like Gabby, if you just like Deadpool, because this, a lot of it is real classic feeling Deadpool and real fun and stuff like that. I'm not going to say that going forward, I'm going to like it or even follow it. I don't know. I have to see who the creative teams are and check it out. But as of now, you know, I'm I'm open to reading the next one as long as they're good. As long as you have, if, if it's always three stories, as long as we're going to get two out of three that are good, I will keep reviewing it. So it's one of those backdoor reviews. If it's not on the podcast the next time, that means I didn't like it. So we'll go with that. But that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate one thing. If everybody could be so kind and you do end up listening to this and maybe on the Apple podcast deal and you could give a rating and a review, it always helps out. But even any other app, if you're allowed to review or stuff, that'd be awesome. It, it always gets me a bit inspired. And I, I like to see you know people enjoying the show and things like that, if you are. I'm not going to force you into it. I'm not having contests about it or things like that. I'd actually like legit, you know, reviews. So with that, you can also go over to our Twitter at weird. We, what is it? WS. Oh my God. WS Marvel Comics. Thank God there's, you know, a link in the show notes. And also go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science where you could be a badass or you could just be any other level each level gets you more and more shows one of the biggest as i always say is our weekly patreon only spotlight podcast and this past week as i already said as well you ended up having spirits of vengeance spirit rider number one that i talk with brandon about and then avengers number 47 that i talk with clay about so you can go check those out but thanks everybody thanks again for everything thanks for listening and i hope that you keep enjoying the podcast and just as a shout out to my man matt me and him will be back on sunday night with more of the star wars stuff with the uh war of the bounty hunters it's getting late it is past the witching hour at this moment i'm getting tired and i gotta go edit this as well but yeah on sunday nights we have our star wars deal and we're going to continue with the war of the bounty hunters stuff i think this week we have the bounty hunters book and then a four alum and Zuckus little kind of side one shot deal so check that out as well and i will talk to you later